Word and Spirit series we've been in for a couple of months now. And uh, so last week, John Scribner spoke, if you were here, gave a great sermon on asking for the Holy Spirit from Luke chapter 11 and just following the command of what Jesus told us to pray for and asking, seeking, knocking, continually doing that and how all the, how the benefits, um, what, the, what benefits come from that. It was great and he really uh, set me up for the next several weeks because today and next week we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So that's one of the things we ask for, right? For the fruit of the Spirit. We want more of His presence in our life to produce fruit. And then after that, we're going to be talking about some of the gifts of the Spirit. And there's too many to, to really itemize. We're not going to probably go through each of them. But we were going to, we're going to talk about how we can pursue the gifts of the Spirit. And remembering that... Um, there's certain verses in Scripture that remind us of specifically even what gifts to pursue after. So that's kind of where we're headed and maybe in the next month or so. And again, this series is kind of open-ended, um, so we'll see how long we go on it. And um, just a quick rem- reminder that uh, it's not for a while, but I just kind of want to put it on your mind. In September, the first full week of September... So I think it might be September 10th or 11th, something like that, is we're going to be doing our consecration week again this year. Um, However, we're going to be doing a little bit different than we have in the past. I'm excited about some of the changes that we're going to make this year, but more details on that. I just want to put it in your head the first full week of September. Make sure you mark that on your calendar. Everyone should be back from vacation. School's fully started by then, and everybody will be back in school. So we wanted to wait till that. So we could all be together to do that. And, but again, more on that as it gets closer. All right, so today, uh, eventually we're going to get to Galatians chapter 5, because that's where the passage on the fruit of the Spirit are. And we're, like I said, we're going to take a couple weeks on this. And so today we're going to do a little overview of uh, the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit. If I say gifts of Spirit, incidentally, I really mean fruit of the Spirit, because I have both of them in my head. Forgive me. Fruit of the Spirit is what we're going to talk about today. And specifically, how can we live, as believers, how can we live by the Spirit's power? Like, is it possible to do that? And if it is possible, how can we do that? So that's kind of where we want to focus. I want to tell you a quick story. I know I've told you this story before. I'm not getting old. I didn't forget that I told you. I know I told you. Um, But it's such a good one. I I need to tell it again in context of what we're going to talk about today. So this was like, let's see, Caleb, my middle son, is uh, uh, 19, <laughs> so it was 19 summers ago, because he was about to be born, I went, the one and only time I've ever been to Hume Lake summer camp, I've been at winter plenty of times, the only time I've ever been to summer camp at Hume Lake as a counselor, and um, so we had a, a small group of Kids took them up there, and if you've ever been to Hume Lake in the summer, um, one of the big, I mean, it's just great fun, but one of the things they love to do is, like, everything's built around competition, if you've ever been there. So, like, all week, you're doing activities, doing sports, doing, you know, memorizing Bible verses, all these different activities, and you get points and points and points They kind of add up to the end of the week, and then one of the, um, 
you know, cabins or groups is the winter. Well, one of the sports or activities, I should say, that they loved playing was a game called Kajabi Can-Can. And I don't know if anybody knows what that game is. Some of you that don't know probably think I was speaking in tongues right there, but I'm not. Kajabi Can-Can. Let me quickly explain it, because I don't want to take too much time. Quickly explain how this game. So here's how the game goes. You take like a big, what is that, like a 50-gallon garbage can, and you put it in the middle of a field, and then everybody gathers around the garbage can. Okay, the garbage can's right in the middle, and, and usually you have like little, everybody has a little piece of rope in your hand with a, knight, not, a knot tied on the end. Okay, so I got a, it's like a foot long, I got a knot in my hand, I got a knot in this hand, and then the person next to me has the other end of my little rope. You get it? Right, and so all around the circle, and here's the thing, so like every other person is on a team. So I would be a team, there, this would be the opposing team, but then that person over there would be my teammate. And the idea of the game is you're trying to hold on to the knot and you're trying to get somebody from the person either on your left or the right, which are the opposite team, you're trying to get them to touch the garbage can. Okay, that's how you get somebody out of the game. Or if you, know, you lose your grip on your rope, you're also out of the game. So that's the two ways to get out of the game. So you just keep going. If somebody touches the garbage can, you pause the game. Everybody gets back. That person is eliminated. And now you might be next to somebody on your team for a minute. And so you can work together. Well, so we played this. They had like the kids around. They played a bunch of them. But then they had like a, a, a counselor around. And I was like, I am not playing. Because it was like I looked around and there's like counselors, right? These big guy, and I'm like, I got these little alligator arms, and I'm like, there's no way, right, I'm going to do that, but um, some of the, the youth that I was with, they like forced me to do it, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it, so they forced me in there, and I got to say, I didn't do bad, I did better than I thought, I made it about halfway through the game, but it's kind of a brutal game, like just these two forces, like pulling and pushing and, you know, like elbowing and trying to get people into the game, into the garbage can. It's kind of a brutal game. And I was thinking, you know, that's what's going on inside our bodies all the time. There's this game of Kajabi going on in there. These two forces at work pulling and tugging and, and elbowing us to try to live how whatever force in there is trying to live. Here's the two forces. On one hand, we have the flesh. And on the other hand, we have the spirit. And they're waging war internally, trying to um, see who can come out on top, see who can win this little battle going on. The spirit is made up of the redeemed Christian heart, and the flesh is the sinful nature. At any point in our life, we may either walk by the flesh or we may walk by the Spirit and carry out uh, the deeds of the flesh or carry out the deeds of the Spirit. And so the goal, of course, goes without saying, the goal of the Christian <clears throat> is to grow stronger and stronger and stronger in the Spirit and one by one eliminate the deeds of the flesh in our life to the point where we, be, we come out victorious. Um, the good news is that one of the coaches living inside there is way better at coaching than the other one and way stronger and way more powerful 
And that's the Holy Spirit, of course. And so as the Spirit lives in us, He really gives us an unfair advantage in the game, uh, and He gives us everything we need to win and come out victorious. And that's what we want to talk about today. Um, Galatians chapter 5, we see two ways that the Holy Spirit is going to enable us. Okay, so let's, are you there? Turn there to Galatians 5, verse 16. Let's read the first few verses together. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, those are, those are serious words. And um, I don't want to dwell on the negative too much today, but I definitely, we need to, we need to point out that, that the word of God sometimes speaks... I was talking about this several weeks ago that through this series, we're going to come across a few topics that are going to make us feel uncomfortable. This is one of them. Nobody wants to hear about the struggle, potential struggles that we have, but we read the Word of God and it has to be powerful in our lives. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit to do His work. So let's talk a little bit about this first part. The Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh. It's true that we struggle with the flesh. Okay, there's no, I don't think any of us would dispute that. It's, it's part of um, the sinful nature that's living in us. It desires sin. But the Holy Spirit living in us enables us, as it says we just read, to overcome the flesh. And that's good news, right? That is good news. Um, at one point in every one of our lives, no matter when we became saved, Okay, whether you were a very young child or whether it was later on in your life, no matter when you became saved, at every one of our lives, sin, the sinful nature existed first in ourselves. Okay, and um, while the sinful nature lived in there, it lived in there unopposed. And it was building up, as, as Pastor Dave might say, it was building up footholds. It was building up strongholds in our lives, building layers and layers and layers of sin. And the longer you live in your life apart from Jesus, the longer before you were saved, the stronger those walls became, the greater those strongholds became. And then when we become saved, when we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit enters in, supernaturally enters into our lives, and He begins to renew our hearts. He begins to break down those strongholds, release us from those footholds. And He gives us what the Scriptures would call a new nature. 
or a new self, or even a new creation. For instance, in in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we read this, If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, and and look and see, the new has come. It's a great verse. In in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about um, this flesh versus spirit conflict that we've already referred to. And, And it talks about in the sense of the old self, which is corrupted by sin, and the new self, which is a reflection of the righteousness of God. So we see that there's, you know, there's these two selves, these two um, natures living in us. Think about it like this. If you wanted to get in shape, if you wanted to maybe lose some weight, get in shape, what, what would you do? Tell me, what would you do to do that? Exercise, I heard it. What else? Diet, like watch what you eat. Yeah, what? Control your diet and and not even, yeah, that's good. And, and what else? Anything else? What would you do? Lose what? Lots of water. Yeah, that's a great one. I'm glad somebody said that. Sleep, rest. That's right. So these are all good things. There's probably others. And so if we want to, we know how to get ourselves in shape. We got one? Okay, self-control. Yeah. So if we know how to get ourselves in shape physically, although, you know, it's hard, but um, how do we get ourselves in shape spiritually? How do we get rid of the fat of our sinful nature? Well, similar things, right? We, we, eat, we have a healthy diet, so we got we to gotta feast on the Word of God. The Word of God is the bread of life. We have to eat on it. We have to drink from the living water that comes from Jesus. right? We have to spiritually discipline and exercise ourselves. Uh, it's a very similar thing. And then, of course, like this, this whole series we've been talking about, we have to rest in the Holy Spirit as He brings fruit. So as believers, we've been redeemed by Christ. And our, our sins have been wiped out. And these are, these are things we need, to, we need to understand and believe. We have been fully redeemed. Our sins have been fully wiped out. Uh, we, are, we are citizens of heaven, says in Ephesians. Like we've got, in, in a sense, we already live. We already exist in heaven. We are, like we sang about today, we are saved by grace. We're filled with the Spirit. And we're enabled by His power to overcome the flesh. Those things are true of us. Yet, the reality is that sometimes we still make choices that um, give into the flesh and, and, and go back to walking in the ways that, that we lived before we knew Jesus. And, and that's because there's this battle going on in us. And that's why Scripture says that we must put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. And we know that the best way to kill something is to not feed it. So the less we feed the flesh, the weaker it's going to become. Um, If we deny its demands, it becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. And so realizing 
not like ignoring passages like this, but realizing that these two natures live side by side in us eliminates um, or, or lets us realize, I guess I should say, that there is a conflict in there. We can't, this last verse, go back to Scripture, the last verse we read, um, that those who practice these things, this list of things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. The interpretation of that verse is pretty serious, and it would be something like this. We cannot continually live in the works of the flesh. We cannot continually live in a sinful lifestyle and remain peaceful in our hearts. It's impossible. So yeah, there's this struggle going on in us. Scripture's clear. There's these two natures that exist, yeah. But we cannot continue to feed our sinful nature and expect that we're ever going to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And that's inter-Holy Spirit. Right? That's why we desperately need the Spirit's power in us because when we're convicted of doing something wrong, now I've, I've talked about this a lot. A few weeks ago we were in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There's no condemnation. We talked about this a lot. There's a huge difference between condemnation and, and conviction, and I don't want to go reveal that, but the Holy Spirit's job is conviction. Okay? It, feels, it might feel sometimes like condemnation, but if it's coming from the Spirit and, and, if it's, and if the sin is making us feel uncomfortable, then we know that um, that's a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's a ministry of His Spirit. It's an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And how quickly we mature in our faith depends on how quickly we submit or yield to the new nature and deny our old nature. Stop feeding the old nature. So it's true that we are completely sanctified when we're born again. I don't want to take anything away from that. We are completely redeemed. So you receive Jesus as your Savior. One minute later, you die, you go to heaven. Because you're completely redeemed at the time of your salvation. You can't get more saved okay, than the time from the moment of your conversion. Um, that's truth. Yet we can get more sanctified minute by minute, day by day. And the closer we get to the Lord, the more we're going to desire His ways and the less we're going to desire the ways of the world. That's what we're talking about. It's a growth. It's a maturity. It, the ver, verse uh, 21 that we just read doesn't mean we can, if we ever sin, we're not going to get to go to heaven. That's not what it's saying. It's saying if we continually value and prize these sinful things above and beyond the things of Jesus, we need to take an honest look at our lives. So we can sin from time to time, but we can't live continuously in sin. And, man, I don't have time to talk about that. There's, there's a couple of things going on in our culture that, that, people, that people need to hear these truths. Um, that's a good, I'll just leave it at that. There's a good principle in that. We cannot continually live in sin or have a sinful lifestyle of any kind 
and expect that we're going to grow in our maturity, in our faith. Just leave it there. And so the longer we walk by the Spirit, the less we're going to carry out the desires of the flesh. Okay, so that's the first part, right? The Holy Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh. It's possible, therefore, right? It's, it's possible for us to not do the things listed here in verse 19 and 20 and 21. It's possible not to sin. Um, it's difficult. And I would go, I was going to say this, like if it was left to me or you, it would be impossible. But it's not left to us. It's supernaturally gifted, we're supernaturally enabled by the Holy Spirit to overcome the flesh. Okay, but he doesn't just stop there. Uh, which I'm so thankful for. We don't want to just not, or excuse me, we don't want to just focus on not sinning. Okay, that's not good enough in our Christian lives. More importantly, we want to focus on living spirit-filled, fruit-filled lives. Okay, and that's the second part here. The spirit enables us to produce fruit. Verse 22 but the fruit of the Spirit is, I want to talk about um, next week, we're going to talk in more detail about the fruit, so we're not going to really itemize them too much today, but I'll read it here. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Verse 24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So let's just stop. As believers, we should be focused on walking in the Spirit uh, rather than trying not to walk in the flesh. Do you see the difference in that? What if all we ever did was try not to sin? Like your whole life's goal was I'm just not going to do this list of sins. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. I'm not. And that's all you ever think about, trying not to sin. How's that going to work out for you? Uh, maybe you've tried to live like that. Um, and, and I think the problem with trying to live like that is what we focus on is always going to take a place of greater importance in our lives. So if we're, all we're focused on is not sinning, then what are we going to be thinking about? Sin. That's absolutely right. And then eventually, we're just going, well, I'm thinking about it anyways. I might as well do it, right? And even though it does, it's, not that, it's not that easy of a process, that's eventually what happens. Um, it seems that there's a lot of believers who never get past this step in their walk with the Lord. It's like they came out of whatever kind of rough background or whatever, and they think, I just, I'm a Christian now. I can't do that. I can't lie. I can't, you know, whatever the sin is. Uh, I can't do that. Um, unfortunately, I think all this accomplishes is getting people to walk more in the flesh. Instead, um, as believers, we're to stay focused on walking in the Spirit as we just read, um, so that there's no more room for the flesh. How do we get rid of the flesh? We just said, we starve it. 
We don't pay attention to it. We put it away. We don't do those things. We don't think about those things. We don't focus on those things. Instead, we place our focus, our attention, our desires on the Holy Spirit and trying to do what pleases Him. A, great, a much better way to live our lives. And then we'll, we'll begin to make progress in producing this fruit. So, like I mentioned, um, today this list in verses 22 and 23 we just read, um, we won't spend too much time on it individually. Next week I got some ideas on that uh, that I want to share with you. Um, but for now I want to give us uh, a few observations here that um, will help us understand how the Spirit enables fruit to grow in our lives. And I say it specifically like that because Mark doesn't enable fruit in my life. I don't know how to love or have joy or have peace in my life. I don't know how to do it at all, to be honest, with, apart from the Spirit. Okay, And really neither do you. We need the Spirit to enable us to love or to have joy or to be kind. And like I said, we'll talk more about that next week. But so um, three or four observations here about how the Spirit will enable growth in our lives first. I would say this, that the spiritual, uh, spiritual growth is gradual. It's gradual. Um, it's going to happen over time. Let me explain. Um, let's say you plant a crop. Let's say you're a farmer and you plant a crop. Uh, let's say a potato, just pick one, right? So you grow, you're a potato farmer. And um, you can't, as a farmer, you couldn't take a chair out to your field, put a chair out there and sit and watch the potato grow. I mean, you could, but like that would be a waste of time. You wouldn't, you wouldn't actually be able to just sit there and watch and see the potato grow. I suppose if you sat there for a month, you might see a little bit of growth. The po the po yeah, right, it's underground. I picked the wrong one. I should have picked something else, all right. Um, you never see it growing, but, but if you planted, if you planted uh, a crop and then you went away for a month and you came back, you would see, you would be able to notice a visible growth. You guys see where I'm going with it, right? Picked the wrong vegetable, sorry. Um, but we see it growing after... A period of time. It's, say, it's the same like in our lives. And here's the thing. Sometimes I, I get discouraged and I've hurt other people. I know I'm not alone on this where we get discouraged sometimes and we're like, man, am I even like, am I even growing in my faith? Am I even maturing at all? And, and then you and then you you meet somebody that you haven't seen in a while. And they're like, man, you, you know, you get in a conversation with somebody you're like, wow, you know, you've really you've really grown up. In your faith, has anybody? Have you? Any, is that my, only my experience? Has anybody experienced that? Where you 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 see somebody, you talk, and they're like, "Wow, you really, you're really growing in your faith." That's what's going on. That's not me and you. That's like the Spirit at work in us. He's growing us. He's maturing us, and we may not see it in our lives day by day by day, but over a period of time, we're going to see that growth begin to happen, and. Um, And we begin to think, you know, a couple years ago, I never would have been as self-controlled as I am in this situation. 
or, or I never would have been as patient, or I never would have been as kind. And we begin to see the Spirit's fruit developing in our lives. It, shows, it, it proves this first point, that the fruit of the Spirit is gradual. It's growing. So we, don't, we don't always want it to be gradual. We want it to be right there all the time. But um, be, be encouraged. That's my point. We need to be encouraged that um, the Spirit is maturing and growing us as we're in Him. Secondly, here's a, here's a second thing. Uh, the growth of the Spirit's fruit is inevitable because there will be growth. So if, you, if you're a believer, if you have received Jesus as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit supernaturally entered into your life, there will be fruit in your life. Um, there's a story uh, that I heard many years ago about a man who went out, um, when, he, when, he was, when he passed away, when he died, he was buried, um, and he, they put a marble slab over his grave, as they sometimes do, and um, somehow, I think I, I've shared this story before, somehow an acorn got in, uh, into the grave with him, and uh, as time passed, uh, gradually and unnoticed, this acorn began to grow and grow and grow until finally uh, it grew into a big oak tree. It broke through the, ma- the marble slab and grew into a, a big tree. And I think about in our lives, you know, because we have the, the powerful spirit in us, fruit will eventually grow, and it's going to begin to, to break through those strongholds that have been built up in our soul and our spirit. Over time, fruit will grow. So it's encouraging to think about. It's going to break through like this marble slab of our hardened, calloused hearts. It should be encouraging to us, but it's also challenging in a way because we begin to think, you know, like if we're Christian, have been Christians for a few years, we begin to look at our lives and, and, we, and we begin to say, you know, like, is there any fruit in my life? Like, am I, how's, how's my fruit, how's it going? Um, we're saved by faith. We're not saved by growing fruit. But we're also um, not saved to a fruitless faith. So a person who has faith will eventually grow. Fruit is inevitable. Third, the, spirit, um, the fruit of the Spirit has internal roots. Okay, I think about this like a, uh, like a winery, right? Like a, a bunch of grapes. And it's easy to see this time of year. You can look out and you're like, anything that's green is a vineyard out there, right? Because nothing, everything else is golden. Um, and, and you guys know that right as, as vineyards grow down, you don't see the roots, but roots go down and they get all intertwined among each other. If you could get a snapshot of what a vineyard looked like underground, the roots would be all tangled up and grown um, among each other. And um, that's because those roots, they're internal roots. And that's where, like any healthy plant, that's where the, the health comes from those roots, and um, it's not always about our personality traits or our characteristics that are outwardly visible. Um, it's actually much deeper than that. It grows down deep into the essence of who we are, 
as believers. And um, think about this, another illustration. Think about an apple tree. And um, do the apples growing make the tree alive? No, of course not. If you, if you, took a, if you had a bunch of apples and you went up and you, and you tied the apples up onto the tree, would that make the tree grow? Of course not. The fruit doesn't give the tree life. It's the other way around, right? The tree with the roots gives the fruit. Fruit comes from the, the tree that's alive. Who's the tree in us? The Holy Spirit. He's the one that brings life. And the fruit comes, hangs on our tree, if I could say it like that, because his roots are deep, deep down into us. So to be truly led by the Spirit, to truly grow the fruit that we want to outwardly visibly see, we need the Spirit to be working deep down in roots into us that we can't see. And then fourthly, um, the growth of the Spirit's fruit is balanced. And we'll, we'll be talking more about this next week, so I don't want to say too much on it here. But the fruit, the nine individual fruit listed here, and I say individual because I, I don't necessarily believe that too much. We'll talk about that more next week. But those nine fruit that Paul lists there grow up together. Okay, um, So if you have love, you're also going to have self-control and you're going to have kindness and patience. They grow up together. Now, it, it is true that each of us are created differently and each of us have different strengths and different weaknesses um, uh, and apart from the Holy Spirit, we have different, we're made up of different, you know, brain chemistry and, and early training and the way we're, we're raised in our family. All these early things have, you know, play a part in our lives. It's absolutely true. You know, like some of us have natural interests um, that are different than others. You know, we're all individual people. Certain things excite us. We want to learn about some things and other things don't excite us. You know, we're all different, and that's, and that's great. Um, and when the Spirit is working in our lives, He's going to grow, the point is this, He's going to grow the fruit beyond our natural strengths. So I may be a person who wants to focus on kindness, but not really on patience. Okay, that may be my natural tendency, but if the Spirit is at work, when He is at work, He's going to grow all those fruit up together. And again, we have, next week we'll dig more into that. Um, so every fruit, my point is this for now, that every fruit will be part of our lives as spirit-filled believers. Um, we're not just going to have one or two of them, we'll have all of them. Okay, so, what time is it? All right, so we've seen today that as we walk um, with the Spirit, He enables us to overcome the flesh. He enables us to produce fruit in our lives. And this kind of life is possible. Um, but we're only going to experience it when we're fully surrendered to the Spirit. Um, and that's what we read in verses 24 and 25. I'll just read them again. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, so uh, not to contradict what John was saying last week, and I don't think this does, but when, we, when, we, when we're saved, we receive um, all of the Holy Spirit for salvation into our lives. Yet, as we walk, like what he just said here in verse 25, as we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. As we're walking with the Spirit, we, in essence, experience, and don't be afraid of that word, we experience more of His presence in our lives. And as we were talking about last week, one of the ways we do that is we, we verbally ask for it. We, Holy Spirit, we want more of Your presence. We want more of You. We want more of your fruit. We want more of your gifts. We want more of your presence in us. Um, because when we're saved, it's true we experience, or we get the Holy Spirit, but we don't necessarily submit ourselves fully to him at that time. Um, sometimes we want God in our lives, but we're not fully surrendered to him. We sang about that earlier today. I don't know if you actually thought about the words when you're singing it. Um, but that's a pretty powerful song that we sang earlier that when we, we want to lay it all down, give it all over to the Spirit. And, and if that's true, as we sang, um, it's, we can't live a life like this. Um, you know, we want to make our plans and have God bless them. Or, um, um, you know, we want to hold on to something from our former life, whether that might be a sinful habit, and be, you know, before you kind of balk at that, just take a look at your life and see if if you're holding on to anything that that may be causing you to sin, or maybe it's a relationship, or maybe it's your money. It's a big one, right? God, you can have everything in my life except my money. I'm holding on to that. I think you know. I think there's plenty of people that live like that, Christians that live like that. Maybe it's even some kind of religious practice of some kind. That's a big one also for us. You know, we want, we want God to follow what we want instead of submitting ourselves fully to his spirit. But God wants all of us. And he wants us to surrender completely to his will and his plans for our lives so that he can prepare us to do whatever he might ask of us someday. Um, so here's just, I'm, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, so don't be scared. But here's just three ways we can fully surrender to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to leave without giving us something that we can walk away with and practically actually do this week. Three ways that we can surrender to the Holy Spirit. First, in verse 24 there, we, we need to remember that we belong to Christ. Like This is essential. And I, and I know this is a horse I ride a lot in my sermons, but it's important that because we're in Christ, all that is Christ, all that belongs to Christ, now belongs to us. You know, that's, that's what the Bible says. Because we're in Christ, all that he has now belongs to us. 
And we have actually many of the same character qualities that, not all of them, <laughs> but we have many of the same character qualities as Jesus because we have a relationship with him. Um, some of those things include forgiveness of sins, although, um, you know, of course, Jesus never needed to be forgiven, but he forgives us. We receive the Holy Spirit. We put on our new nature. We get to go to heaven someday. All those things are true of us. We're no longer products of our past. We are primarily products of Christ's work on the cross. And because of that leads us to quickly our second truth that um, will help us fully surrender. So first of all, we need to remember that we, f- we fully belong to Christ. Secondly, because of that, we have crucified the flesh with its desires. We've crucified the flesh with its desires. What does it mean to crucify the flesh? I mean, yeah, obvious. it's obvious, right? To crucify something is to put it to death. So we have crucified the flesh. And, and it says here, it says that in pretty positive terms, doesn't it? It says that in pretty firm terms. It's not like we may have crucified the flesh, or if we live a good life, we will potentially crucify the flesh someday. No, it says we have crucified the flesh. It sounds, sounds like a done deal to me. To you, is that how you read it? Literally, we have put to death the ruling and attractive power of the sinful nature that once held us. That's what that means. Crucifying the flesh, it means destroying the sin and the evil desires down at that root level. Just like the Holy Spirit has internal roots, so does the flesh and sin. It has internal roots. And it's deep, deep down. We don't just want to stop doing some behavior. We don't just want to stop lying. We want to dig deep down and find the root of lying and rip that thing out. And, and to be honest, we can't even do it, right? We need this Holy Spirit. or We need Jesus to reach down deep into our lives. Like that great illustration from the Chronicles of Narnia I've shared many times, like when... Uh, when Aslan had to come and rip off the dragon scales, right? What was his name? Eustace. Rip off his scales so that he could purify him. Like he couldn't do it himself. And it's the same thing with us. We can't purify ourselves. We need Jesus to do it. To get to the root of that bad behavior. And, and sometimes, um, there's a variety of ways that we could do this. Get down to the root. Well, Sometimes it's as simple as praying about it and confessing and repenting of our sin and turning away from it. Um, seeking truth in God's word in the areas we need help. That's, that's one way we can do that. I would start there if you can. But sometimes uh, we need to go a little deeper and you make an appointment with Pastor Dave and you begin. he begins to take you through some spiritual warfare, and you begin to, to dig down and to demolish the stronghold of the enemy and to destroy those roots that he's put deep down into us. Sometimes you need somebody's help to do that. Or maybe you make an appointment with Teresa and you get some counseling, some spiritual counseling. Maybe you need somebody to listen to you and pray with you and pray for you and intercede on your behalf. Um, don't feel like we always have to do these things on our own. We've got plenty of help. We have the Spirit. We have the Word. We have prayer. We have counseling. We have other people that want to come alongside of us. 
to crucify those flesh with its passions. And then third, if we want to surrender to the Holy Spirit, um, verse 24, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. Now this is, uh, he ends on a positive note here. This is an active process of obedience. And um, we learn to hear the Spirit's voice. We, need, we learn to listen to what he says. Like Elijah up on the mountain, we learn to hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And then when we hear it, we learn to immediately obey um, in every circumstance of our life. Like Romans 12.1, we place our bodies up on the altar, give ourselves to the Lord fully as living sacrifices. This is our true worship. And we are to dedicate our entire lives to God through the Holy Spirit, um, including our thoughts and our words and our attitudes and our actions and our physical bodies and our finances and our appetites and our desires and our emotions and whatever else you want to put on that list to make the full surrender. And for most people... I would say this surrender is an ongoing process that takes place over the course of our entire spiritual lives. And it's like a, um, a financial graph, right? Some, some weeks are good, some months are bad, some weeks are good, and, right? And, but what we desire for our finances to grow in some kind of positive way, so in our, our spiritual lives... We're going to have those ups and downs. There's going to be times where we just fall back into our sin head on and we just embrace it and love it because it feels good. And at those times, we're going to be like, am I even saved? But the truth is, yes, you are. And we're going to come back out of it and we're going to continue to grow and grow and grow and mature and become more like Jesus because we want to make this full surrender to the Holy Spirit. We may regress at times, but thankfully, Scripture promises that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of what? All of our unrighteousness. And I've talked about this last couple weeks ago. Um, we don't need to ask, we don't need to be forgiven again of our sins. We've been fully forgiven when we were saved. But we do need to confess and repent and, and actively turn away from our sin and turn to Jesus. And praise God that his mercy is new for us every day. Because how often do you need the mercy of God? Every day. I mean, I do. I think you do too. And, and I'll just end with this right here. God loves, he loves us, but more than that, he loves that we want to be like him. That pleases his heart. When we want to be, he looks at us, just like as a parent, you look at your kids, and when you see your kid acting like you, you're like, whoa, that's, that's cool, that's fun. Hopefully it's a good thing, right? Um, and the father, same thing, right? He looks down at us and he sees us trying to be like him, and I think it I don't know this. I don't have a chapter or verse, but I think that brings a smile to the heart of God. I think he's proud of us. 
I think He never gives up on us. I think He, um, when we keep taking step by step, day by day, we're eventually going to cross that finish line. It may be a sprint across the finish line or it may be a stumble across the finish line, but we're going to cross it someday. And um, it's true that no matter where we are on the maturity level of our faith, we all have a long way to go. That's true. But it's exciting, isn't it? It's not like we come to a place and we just, okay, I've, I've fully matured now. I can, I can retire. No, we always work. And I think that's exciting. I think that brings excitement to life. And uh, there's always ways that we can grow more in the ways of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and yet, any kind of progress is sign of uh, a, good, a good cause for celebration in our lives. So don't, don't forget to celebrate the victories along the way. And, um, and don't be embarrassed of that, because that's actually the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So I'll just close right here with these questions. How are you making progress in your surrender to the Holy Spirit? And secondly, in what way, ways or way is um, growing spiritually, what ways are they, is that evident in your life? In what way are people seeing fruit in your life? In your attitudes or your actions? And I'll just, I'll just let you guys Think about those questions, and I encourage you to pray through them if, if you want. How are you making progress in your surrender to the Holy Spirit, and in what ways are you seeing fruit grow in your life? Father God, we love you, and uh, we know that apart from you, we can do nothing. We need your gracious, merciful hand in our lives every day to guide and lead us and to bring us into truth and to um, help crucify the, the flesh and the desires that we have for the flesh, help give us an enablement to overcome those things. Lord, you've given us a variety of resources available to us. I pray that we would take advantage of them. Um, Your word, prayer, other people. Holy Spirit, continue to work into our lives. Grow your internal roots deep, deep down so that we begin to focus more on you than we do on things of the flesh. It's just what we want to do. And I I think that's what we want to do. And if it's not, I pray that you'll bring us to that place, Lord. Thank you for the, the truth of your word. Thank you for this, this room that we could gather in this morning to worship you and to pray and to receive your word. I pray that we would be doers of your word now. Now we've been given the responsibility to not only hear your word, but to live it out. I, I pray for help for each of us to do that this week, to continue to grow in the fruit of the Spirit and to continue to grow less and less in our desires for the flesh. And uh, so help us. We just ask for your help, Holy Spirit. Uh, Amen.